Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's Boxing Day, the 26th of December. I'm Kira Revens, and this is the Smart 7's review of 2023. We continue with a look back at some of the big stories from March and April 2023. Some of the stories in today's edition include stormy waters over small boats, Matt Hancock's WhatsApps leak out, Donald Trump gets indicted for the first time, and Oscar's triumph for Michelle Yeoh. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet... Get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the small seven. It's news, but not the news. Migration, both legal and illegal, were a recurring theme in 2023. Back in March, then Home Secretary Swala Braverman and PM Rishi Sunak went all out to sell their new plan to crack down on cross-channel migration. Rishi was out and about in Dover and then back at Downing Street, speaking in front of a podium with a stop the boat sign as he looked to fulfil one of his five promises. Then Home Secretary Swala Deville... I'm sorry, Braverman, spoke in Parliament and outlined a plan that would see imprisonment, deportation and lifetime bans from the UK for small boat arrivals if it's made law. Anyone entering this country illegally will be detained and swiftly removed. No half measures. Labour's shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper was not convinced. She said the bill wasn't a solution to the broken asylum system and blamed the Tories for breaking the system in the first place. And there is no point in ministers trying to blame anyone else for it. They have been in power for 13 years. The asylum system is broken and they broke it. After the announcement, the Home Secretary was facing the media in an attempt to win over the public to her Stop the Boats plan. Susanna Reid from Good Morning Britain was one of the first to lay in to the Home Secretary. Here she is quizzing Suella on her claim that 100 million displaced people are already attempting to come to the UK and that billions more would like to come if they could. On what planet is that likely and how is that not inflammatory language? There are potentially 100 million people around the world who are currently displaced. Many of them are heading to the United Kingdom. Suella was quick to defend the new bill when Sky's Kay Burley suggested it could break international asylum laws. As a barrister, you're condoning breaking the law according to Amnesty International. We're not breaking the law and, in fact, we've made it very clear that we believe we're in compliance with all of our international obligations. Later, a PMQ's PM Rishi Sunak was grilled on the logistics of detaining new arrivals and asked whether those who are sex trafficked to the UK could be denied asylum under the new bill. The new bill had a pretty poor reception everywhere, with the UN and a number of other human rights organisations condemning it and questioning the legality of the ban on asylum claims. Vicky Tennant, the UK representative of the UN Refugee Agency, said she was very worried. This is effectively closing off access to asylum in the UK for people arriving irregularly. We 
believe it's a clear breach of the Refugee Convention and even people with very compelling claims will simply not have the opportunity to put these forward. Not long after it launched, the Stop the Boats bill claimed its first deportation as BBC Match of the Day presenter Gary Lineker announced he'd be stepping away from the show until there was greater clarity on rules around social media for BBC presenters. It came after he tweeted comments that the language being used by the government around migration was similar to that used in 1930s Germany. That kicked off a huge media storm and Home Secretary Swella Braverman made her feelings clear on a BBC podcast. To hear that kind of characterisation is offensive because my husband is Jewish, my children are therefore directly descendant from people who were murdered in gas chambers during the Holocaust. Friday of that week also saw Rishi off on a day trip to France to announce a new deal with President Macron aimed at stopping the smugglers before they get to the Channel. He was on his absolute best behaviour too. I feel very fortunate to be serving alongside you and incredibly excited about the future that we can build together. Merci. The pretty please included a £500 million three-year deal which saw the UK paying France to beef up security, hire extra gendarmerie and build a detention centre. It's about double what the UK was paying per year. But Rishi was sounding enthusiastic about the potential impact of the new plan. What you've seen today is an unprecedented level of cooperation on tackling this shared challenge. Because that's what it is, it's a shared challenge. It's not just the UK that's grappling with illegal migration, it's not just France. Countries across Europe. Not surprisingly, French President Macron sounded pretty pleased about it too. First, I think we focus on what we have to do on the short run to prevent precisely these migrations and to try to dismantle all these, uh, these groups, these networks and these smugglers. And, and I think the level of ambition of this new plan is exactly what we need. Another reoccurring theme in 2023 was the investigations into what exactly went on at Downing Street as the COVID-19 pandemic raged across the nation. We saw an investigation into Partygate and the beginning of the official COVID inquiry. But before the inquiry could even begin, the Daily Telegraph published a series of leaked messages from former Health Secretary Matt Hancock in what it called the lockdown files. There was plenty of gems from Matt, including a message in which he told aides he they stuck to COVID rules. The messages that he handed over to journalist and ghostwriter Isabel Oakshot showed he discussed ways to manage news of the Kent variant during lockdown. Another round of messages published by The Telegraph showed how he rejected advice to change isolation requirements from 14 days to five because it would imply the government had been getting it wrong. Cabinet Secretary Simon Case also suggested that the fear factor would be vital in stopping the spread of the virus. Hancock said the leaked exchanges gave a distorted picture, but Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer claimed they revealed the chaos way in which the government was being run. The self-engrandisement of Matt Hancock, it's all about him. And, you know, some of the decisions that were taken appear to be ba- taken on the basis of sort of quite minor political issues rather than the major issues of the day. That wasn't the end of the leaks either, as we discovered that the former health secretary supported threatening to block a disability centre in a Tory MP's constituency in a bid to get him to vote for lockdown. The messages show Mr Hancock agreed to put pressure on Tory MP James Daly if he didn't vote with the government. It didn't go down well on either side with Tory MP Jake Berry calling Matt Hancock's behaviour despicable. Once you get to the point that you are weaponising the provision of care to disabled children, I think you have crossed the line. And the Daily Telegraph's associate editor, Christopher Hope, who was partially responsible for publishing the leaked WhatsApps, said the messages showed just how much of the lockdown strategy was for political gain. It's quite mucky, isn't it? And it shows how, at the heart of it, 
the much of the lockdown approach was political as much as following the science. And later in March, it was time for the Boris show as we witnessed the man with an incredible knack for bending the truth take the stage again. Lockdown may have been far behind us, but for Boris Johnson, Partygate was far from over. The former PM spent the best part of four hours being grilled by a committee of MPs on the lockdown era gatherings at number 10 in late March. If he was found to have deliberately or recklessly misled Parliament, he faced suspension from the Commons. But he made sure we knew he definitely, 100%, wasn't lying. I'm here to say to you, hand on heart, that I did not lie to the House. When those statements were made, they were made in good faith. As the questions wore on, he got less jovial and much sharper in tone, denouncing one question as nonsense and digging his heels over accusations of partying. Would you have advised anyone else in the country, if they'd asked you at one of the press conferences at that time, to have a large social gathering in the garden? People who say that we were partying in lockdown simply do not know what they are talking about. The committee weren't expected to release the report until the summer, but Tory MP and chair of the Conservative Democratic Organisation, David Campbell-Bannerman, warned that if it doesn't go Boris's way here, we'd be seeing the consequences. If this goes through, it will close down Parliament and the committees and anyone appearing at those committees. It it would be a disaster. March and April saw Russia's war against Ukraine grind on with Russia becoming increasingly aggressive and cracking down on any sign of dissent at home. In April, the UK asked Russia to release Vladimir Karamurza, a Putin critic, after he was jailed for 25 years on charges linked to his criticism of the war in Ukraine. The Russian-British former journalist and politician was found guilty of treason, spreading false information about the Russian army and being affiliated with an undesirable organisation, though he denies all charges. He was arrested shortly after giving an interview to CNN where he said Russia is running a regime of murderers. This regime that is in power in our country today, it's not just corrupt, it's not just kleptocratic, it's not just authoritarian. It is a regime of murderers and it is important to, to say it out loud and it is really tragic, frankly. I have no other word for this. His wife, Evgenia Karamurza, says the fact that he's been sentenced shows how important his work is. This sentence shows that they're so afraid of him and they hate him so much that they want to lock him up for a quarter of a century. April also saw Oliver Dowden, the then Secretary of State for National Investment Security, warning UK firms that they should be ready for imminent attacks from Russian hackers. Ministers have warned Russia-linked cyber attack groups want to destroy the country. Businesses have been urged to beef up their cyber security to protect them from ideologically motivated rather than financially motivated enemies who've already begun targeting the UK. Today, I can confirm that the National Cyber Security Centre is issuing an official alert to operators of our critical national infrastructure. As if that wasn't bad enough, the chief executive of the National Cyber Security Centre, Lindy Cameron, says that China is also hunting down your passwords. What we're talking about here is the challenge of future technology. And what I'm saying about China is that China is, as we say in the integrated review, an epoch-defining threat. The scale and pace of their ambition and technology is something that all of the people here at the conference need to take seriously. And former diplomat Lord Ricketts says we need to be prepared for Russia to escalate cyber attacks. But I guess we have to be prepared for this to get worse. Putin thinks he's in a war with the West, even if it's an undeclared, 
unconventional war. And therefore, you know, it's no holds barred. Russia's war in Ukraine continues and NATO boss Jens Stolenberg was in Kiev for his first visit to Ukraine since the Russian invasion began last year. While he was there, he held talks with Ukrainian President Zelensky, who's been appealing for fast-track membership to the military alliance, something that Russia is keen to prevent. In a joint news conference with the Russian president, Stolenberg reaffirmed the organization's support for Ukraine. I'm here today with a simple message. NATO stands with Ukraine. There was an unexpected consequence of the Conservative Party and more particularly then Home Secretary Swella Braverman's new campaign to stop the small boat. It all started when Gary Lineker tweeted about the language Suella was using and it resulted in the BBC finding itself in chaos over what quickly became Linkergate. The match of the day hosts suspension over his tweets comparing the government's new asylum policy to Nazi Germany caused a mini-mutiny as other pundits and commentators took Gary's side. It meant that the Saturday night show went ahead with no commentary or punditry and Sunday night's match of the day too had to be reduced to just 14 minutes of programming. The former BBC director of sport Peter Salmon called the situation a mess. It doesn't help. The chairman of the BBC himself is he's slightly to one side in this process and there's a bit of an issue. Yeah. It means that Tim Davey is sort of isolated in some ways. He needs to come home and grip this now. We need him back running the ship. So, so it's a tricky one. That level of disruption to sports programming didn't last for long and by the Tuesday it looked like it had all been resolved and Gary was coming home. A review of social media guidelines was announced and the BBC apologised to audiences for the disruption as Lineker thanked his colleagues for their solidarity. BBC Director General Tim Davey denied that there had been any political involvement, saying impartiality guidelines would be equally applied to any party. Absolutely not affected by pressure from one party or the other. That is not how we work editorially in the BBC. Um, it's a convenient narrative. It's not true. Still to come on the stand at seven, Donald Trump gets indicted for the first time and Fox faces consequences. Right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. He was the first US president to be elected without any government or military experience, the first to be impeached twice, and now he'll be the first to face criminal charges. Yes, at the end of March, Donald Trump was indicted by a Manhattan grand jury over hush money payments he sent to an adult film star back in 2016. The specific charges weren't initially made public, but Trump was immediately on the defence of calling it political persecution at the highest level in a statement released after the charges dropped. It turned out to be the first in a number of indictments, but it was still an historic moment and Trump's former vice president, Mike Pence, was on air on NBC when the news came in. I think the unprecedented indictment is an outrage. And, and it appears to be nothing more than a political prosecution that's driven by a prosecutor who literally ran for office on a pledge to indict the former president. 
2023 saw the aftermath of Donald Trump's claims about stolen elections continue to stack up casualties, with Special Prosecutor Jack Smith working away on a case against the former president and multiple indictments due to drop throughout the year. Trump's fraudulent election claims continued to cause chaos. Rupert Murdoch's Fox News faced the consequences of its election fraud claims in April as they agreed a £788 million settlement in its defamation case with Dominion. The case was taken over claims that Fox had knowingly broadcast lies that the voting machine company was in a plot to falsify election results and steal the 2020 US elections. Rupert Murdoch, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity and other Fox stars had been expected to testify at the scheduled six-week trial, but the case was settled before opening statements were heard. Fox is facing more libel claims from another voting machine company, an ex-employee who says she was coerced into giving false testimony and from a shareholder over the false claims. Journalist and author Michael Wolf says that Fox need to make a statement. Because there was no way that Fox could stand to the exposure that a trial would bring. Uh, not to mention no way that its 92-year-old chairman could withstand a uh, rigorous cross-examination. In less than a week after the Dominion settlement, there was a dramatic sequence of events in the US TV news. Morning show host Don Lemon was fired by CNN just months after Tucker Carlson was kicked out by Fox. Lemon announced the news on Twitter, having been at the centre of a string of controversies over on-air comments and treatment of female colleagues. Controversial right-wing commentator Carlson appeared to have been fired by Rupert Murdoch following the settlement with voting machine company Dominion over the network's 2020 US election reporting. Referring to the January 6th Capitol riots, Democrat Congresswoman Alex Andrea Ocasio-Cortez called for media organizations to be held accountable. When you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. The 95th Academy Awards took place in Hollywood on Sunday the 12th of March and the stars were out in force. Jimmy Kimmel hosted for the third time and everyone was on tenterhooks to see if he kept Will Smith's wife's name out of his mouth. He did, kinda. If anyone in this theatre commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor <laughs> and permitted to give a 19-minute long speech. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. <laughs> Sit there and do absolutely nothing. Maybe even give the assailant a hug. On the night, everything, everywhere, all at once swept the board, taking home seven statuettes, including Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director and Best Picture. Brendan Fraser won Best Actor for his role in The Whale. All Quiet on the Western Front nabbed four and even Top Gun managed a shiny little guy. The hotly tipped Banshees of Inishiran shocked everyone by failing to bag a single one. The highlight of the evening was Michelle Yeoh becoming the first Asian American to win the Best Actress Award and only the second woman of colour to ever win. And the Oscar goes to everything, everywhere. And the Oscar goes to Michelle Yeoh. Everything, everywhere, all Everything, everywhere, Jamie Lee You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 